Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift, the indoor cycling app that makes training fun. Look who has decided to make an appearance. Benji Nyson's back from his holiday in fake Luxembourg. And apparently, I don't know, maybe the Belgian police need to check some speed cameras. He's hustled back. So round of applause for Benji Nyson being back in time for this Valenciana Passage doubleheader. I uh, don't even need you today, Ben. You're not even a triple head. And no one even got my triple threat, triple caution, Samir, you're breaking the car reference. No one got it. But Ben, how was your holiday before we get into business? What did you get up to? Honestly, pretty good. I was hiking uh, basically every day. So I enjoyed that aspect. I forgot my bike. So that's a sad part of it. But in the end, the hiking made up for the biking. And eventually, uh, well, I uh, missed the potting a lot because cycling was going on. And every second that I was relaxing i thought about well there's cycling going on i want to be on the pod so i'm happy that i'm back and i'm happy that we can get into uh talking about cycling again did you see any birds of prey or were you accosted by them i'm afraid i wasn't attacked by any vultures i saw a squirrel so that's a win all right maybe we can do a spin-off floor and fauna of the uh, Continental Europe podcast, yeah. I'm sure it'd be a great success. Valenciana stage. We'll also have a segment after the results here about should gravel be included in road cycling races? Uh, it's been a point of discussion with people weighing in the last couple of days. But first, and Besage, of course, will recap as well. The first stage five, 92Ks. As I said, it's a crit with an hour added on and they finish in Valencia uh, in the city. They have, yeah, it's just a sprint. And apparently, Benji, even though Vlasov had a 30-second lead on GC, you might have been in the car at the time, before live coverage even started, Avonapol had tried to get in the breakaway, <laughs> like Sharmig <laughs> in Saudi Tour. I was like, holy. Uh, but apparently he got caught. So, um, yeah, it's just interesting that uh, maybe that's why he was, what he did at Polonia, I guess. He can just break away from people in the flat. Anyway. Yeah. Quick step were controlling, Bora controlling, oh, lots of teams controlling, even Trek were helping because Muschetti won yesterday. They line it out. Intermarche had also added a few riders. Break gets caught. Nibali had been in the break, Benji. Did you see that? What can you explain? Now you you obviously know him better than everybody else. Can you explain what he was doing in a flat break on Valenciana? He knows that people love him for the attacking rider that he is, and he wants to make sure that he spices up races a bit more. And what else can he do on, on the last flat stage of Valenciana? Put some training kilometers in in the breakaway. Why not? Put some pressure on. Try some harder ones in the peloton. And uh, perhaps that delivers a better form in more important races. You'd hope so. You'd hope so. Yeah, we'll see how he goes uh, in the upcoming races. Anyway, that break got caught. He was there, I think, with Manuele Boaro, who'd been in a break before. And... Zuna 3Ks to go. Avonapol hops on the front, break court, sprint time. He does an absurd pull. We questioned his motivations yesterday. Is he pulling because Eddie Merckx is living rent-free in his head about being a bad (laughs) teammate? Um, Today he answered those critics and just an obscene pull. And he had this time Lampard on the wheel. Uh, Benji actually did some detective work yesterday and was – Sort of the blame was on Lampard for not following Remco up uh, in that stage. But yeah, Remco went 3Ks to 1K into Marche, had their doors blown off, trying to move up to the side of Avonapol, which sort of as Cavendish said in the tour, if you want to beat the quick step train, you can't wait from behind Merku. If you're behind Merku with Sprintron, Merku's wheel 300 to go, you're done. They tried to bring up, they couldn't do it. 
and eventually Lampart was, and then by, by the time it was 800 meters to go, Lampart starting sprint was over. Lampart, Swift comes up trying to bring up Viviani on the right-hand side. Viviani elects to go onto Jakobsen's wheel, who's third wheel. Merku sees Swift coming and says, no, goodbye, through a couple of roundabouts, accelerates, drops Jakobsen off with 160 meters to go, and that's curtains. Jakobsen wins easily. Not as dominant as their first sprint, but easy, easy W. I think Dispenji was as good a quick-step train as, as we've seen all week. Yeah, I think so as well. Basically, like you said, that Emco part is perfect to line it up at the front, but if another team is in their wheel, then it's basically leading out a different team, just like a few days ago with Anton Marché. But now, uh, today, that was not the case because Lampard indeed followed that wheel. Last time, he was waiting a bit too long to decide to follow the wheel and then was squeezed off the wheel anyway. So, as a consequence, was not in the wheel of Remco, but today was not the case. And he was in the wheel, which made sure that they were at the front. And if Evenepoel is facing so hard at the front, then Lampard starts hammering it at the front. Good luck for Antomarche to come past. Then, like you said, Merkel being in first with the lead out starting is basically a, a big chance of the sprinter in his wheel winning this race. Unless Ewan is in the wheel of that sprinter, but that's not the case in this race. So, all in all, Jakobsen was able to launch pretty late, I would dare to say, and Viviani used the draft but didn't get past and didn't have the power and eventually, like you mentioned, Jakob's in the man. You think, um, you probably said this already in the previous podcast, but I've listened to most of it and I wanted to ask you, uh, do you think that Jakobsen deserves to be in the same tier as you and now? Uh, it's hard to say. I don't know. I have very small tiers. So people were saying, and, and we talk about Vlasov obviously is taking out the GC. They're like, oh, you said Vlasov is maybe not even a second tier GC contender. I'm like, yeah, because I have in tier one, two guys, both from Slovenia. And then in tier two, I had two guys, one from Colombia, Bernal, and at the time, and, and Carapaz. So yeah, I have, I have small tiers. Um, that's just how I operate. Yeah. Maybe, maybe people have big tiers. You do your tears, I do my tears. Um, but yeah, I think, no, Ewan's better. Ewan is better than Jakobsen and we haven't seen Bora Bennett yet. Uh, yeah. They sent three different sprinters to Saudi Tour. What about you? I'll throw it back at you, Benji. Like, where do you, or Gronovec and for that matter, let's talk about Gronovec and Jakobsen. Where, where do you have those guys? I've got Ewan in the, in the top tier. I feel like he's the best rider when it comes to sprinting in the entire peloton. Then I've got Jakobsen in the second tier, in my opinion. He could only make it in the third tier. So like you said, I've got small tiers as well. And it's uh, a bit of a, an aspect to it where I try and divide it up, where if a rider has a minimal difference over the other, it's already a new tier. So that's, like you say, the reason that Grunewagen is not on the level of Jakobsen for me, uh, that Viviani is not on the level of Grunewagen for me personally. So yeah, I could have like 10 tiers with the top sprinters in the in the peloton. But hey, I think that Ewan is the best sprinter right now. And uh, maybe in the future, that can come closer together. Perhaps if we see them right against each other, we'd see a, a better evaluation of that comparison. Please, God, Tour de France, we can see Jakobsen, Merlier, Groenewegg, and Bennett. UAE Tour? Well, yeah, maybe maybe right, Benji. UAE or Oman. I, is, is Ewan staying in the desert after Saudi? Maybe. Anyway, the top 10... In the stage, Jakobsen first, Viviani second, Ben Swift, as I said, did quite a nice job for Viviani. Christoph third, and uh, like he was third yesterday, then Dupont and Yulkovsky, Trentin, ahead of the man he was probably leading out, Milano. So UAE having sprint issues in both races at the moment. Benjava, Milano, Barcelo, Mercu, 10th. Better from Mercu today, who wasn't actually 
his normal self, I would say, in the first two sprint stages. In terms of general classification, Vlasov takes out GC, 32 seconds out of Avonapol. C-Rod, that's his official nickname. Generated Rodriguez. Rodriguez, yes. Well, <laughs> A-Rod, C-Rod, maybe doesn't want to go down the A-Rod path. But yes, yeah, C-Rod, the best Spaniard, the 21-year-old for Ineos, 36 seconds behind Vlasov, then Mas Bala, Fulsang, Sanchez, Giacone, De La Cruz, and Mohoric rounding up the top 10 on GC. So Bora got to be very, very happy with Vlasov taking out the GC here. That's a great start for him. And, okay, Giro fourth is good, but this is this is a nice result. But before we get into sort of the main controversy, that that's not a big controversy over the last couple of days, which is should gravel be in road racing? Mention our show partner, Zwift. Maybe you're getting back on the bike after winter weather. Maybe you're training for the LRCP Zwift group ride on Tuesday, 6 p.m. UK time, 7 p.m. European time. We want to hit the 350 signups for that, and we're getting pretty close. So check the event description down below in the show notes or the YouTube video description. If you don't know, Zwift is the indoor cycling app that makes training fun with nine different worlds based on real life and fantasy locations. It has tons of workouts and training programs and a huge community to keep you company whilst you ride. This year, Zwift will host the UCI Esports World Championships at the end of February and also act as the headline sponsor of the Tour de France Femme avec Zwift to continue to level up women's cycling. Thank you to Zwift for supporting the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast as our presenting sponsor. But Benji, the last couple of days, and this has been the fallout since Avonapol struggled in the gravel or just after the gravel on the Queen stage of the Volta alla Comunitat Valenciana, should gravel roads be in road cycling? And we had Lampart saying he didn't, he didn't think it should be in there. It didn't add anything to the race. We had Dan Lloyd, who's on the broadcast side now, saying it added to the race and it increases viewership. But Matteo Trentin saying... I haven't heard anything, any rider say anything positive about it. And Bala Puncture, where do you stand on gravel in road cycling? I don't see it as a binary yes or no. I say I think there's some shades of grey here. I agree on that aspect. I'd like to turn it back to the initial stage already, the interview afterwards of Evenepoel. He actually said that Vlasov was the deserving winner there and so forth. And he said one sentence about the gravel section because the uh, interviewer asked what do you think about the gravel section? And he said, well, I'm happy with one or two or or a few gravel sections throughout the season and so forth. But this was a bit unnecessary and felt close to mountain biking and so forth. So that was the quote there. And obviously Belgian media blasted that all over the titles to uh, make him sound arrogant as fuck. But uh, eventually the actual article was a, a very different sentiment than he was happy that, well, well, he wasn't actually blaming the gravel section for his loss. Nonetheless, he also gave the criticism that apparently the organization told some of the riders that have at least said that this was the case, that they would have cleaned the gravel section. I don't know what cleaning the gravel section means. I think it's getting the bigger rocks out of the gravel and so forth. And apparently, according to the riders after the race, that was not done. Now, I haven't spoken to every rider, so this is only from a few riders that I've got this info. So the question there is like, if that is the case, then I feel like it's a bad thing on the organization spot. If they promise that they're going to clean up a gravel section to make it more viable for a race situation, then they should do so. And it shouldn't be after the race that the riders have to notice, well, okay, it wasn't the case. That's my first argument. The second argument, this, 
Of course, I think Johan Brunel was the first one to post it on Twitter uh, with a picture of the Tour de France 1960 or something compared to the Valenciana race, the gravel on the road. That was very similar across those ages and that riders are not circus animals and so forth. I think that's one argument. Like you said, Daniel Lloyd came with that broadcasting argument where it entertains the room people watching now i don't think it would have made too much of a difference on this stage when it comes to the entertainment valenciana is not exactly the most out there race and i think the people that were watching valenciana knew that this was the queen stage anyway so probably we're going to be watching anyway now i think a gravel section of the climb is viable but i do feel like this one might have been a bit on the edge and we're hearing this not only from lampard but also from trenton the other day as well so I feel like riders are the most important stakeholder when it comes to their safety, and they need to be able to decide what is safe and what is not safe. And I don't feel like broadcasters who drive off the entertainment and so forth should be having that much of a say in the entertainment value there. Like, I love seeing gravel, but, yeah, but I'm the one that needs to ride over it. How dangerous is it going up uphill at whatever? Like in the Gruppetto, they're going to go up that at like 10Ks an hour, 8Ks an hour. They do more dangerous things getting out of the neutral zone. I, I don't think, I don't I don't see it as a major safety issue. My biggest problem with this is, and like I like sort of gravel segments, but there's gravel and there's gravel. And yeah. this was this was really borderline, like the size of these rocks. And Brisbaneites will know, the go track <laughs> in Brisbane, for example, it's a very, very different road if it's just been groomed, if it's just been wet and then hard-pressed and compacted to when it's been really dry and rutted and big rocks everywhere uh, and four-wheel drives have been over it. This was big rocks, and my biggest problem with it isn't the safety. It's that Valverde punctured, yeah. pro- no fault of his own. He's had to ride the rest of the climb with a puncture. It's a complete lottery, and cycling already, yeah, okay, luck is involved in cycling, but would it would it have been better, Benji, for the spectacle? If Valverde hadn't punctured, they'd stayed on the road and he and Vlasov had a two-up battle at the end. And judging from, you know, where Valverde finished with a puncture, he probably would have been, I'd argue that would have been a better spectacle. And as you said, it's hard to decouple. Well, are more people watching this because Avonapol's in leader's jersey? It's the Queen stage. It's hyped up anyway. I do think, like, you know, think about the Montalcino light stage in the Giro. That was That's a big up. race, though. Like, it's it's a full stage of, like, gravel sections all over. And we know that that is a stage, the Montalcino stage with the gravel. But I feel like putting in it 21 stages is reducing the effect of the lottery than doing it in five stages. Because then you only have four stages to fix it. In the other one, you've got 20 stages to fix your Zero losses. stages to fix this. Zero. It was two sprint stages afterwards. Hey, you're, you're right. But, I mean, like... Yeah, you, I know what you, you mean. If you know it beforehand, then you can already prepare that there's graveling coming, something like that. But I agree what you mean. It's indeed adding a bit of more, more of a lottery thing to it. I think that gravel section should be part of road cycling, but uh, I, I have an issue with the argument of like, oh, it shouldn't be in the first stage race of the season. Like, that classifying, make sense it, <laughs> classifying it at the position in the season doesn't make sense for me. It should be the safety of the gravel section in my opinion that it be would be the decision maker and i personally feel like the riders should have their say in that and for this one it seems like a lot of riders were against it 
I think that they, the riders, and I, when you look at the photos from Laura Mezziger, it's hard to disagree. The riders were like, what the fuck is this? This is like the size of the rocks in it. It's like my street. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know, maybe, but it's, they should have groomed it. They, I, I don't have a problem with a gravels, you know, seg- segment. It adds a little bit. The photos look great. Vlasov's attack looks fantastic. It also, maybe Vlasov chose the right gearing. Maybe Vlasov's got better seated power. Maybe he got through the deeper sections better. That's all fine. Fulsang, ex-mountain biker, wanted to try and use maybe his technical skills on it. But yep. they should have groomed it. There are limits to it. And also people saying, oh, well, there's Roubaix. The Strata Bianca. It's like that's a. Those are both one day races. B. The entirety of the race, you 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 attune your bike and prepare. You, you ride a completely different bike and setup for those sections. So I think we really need to think about the gravel in stage racing. Uh, the problem is Benji. We should ask the audience really because we are yeah. complete degenerates who literally watch any form of bicycle racing including when the saudi tour live coverage went out and we watched the kids on balance bikes crashing each other watch that so we should probably ask the audience like does a gravel section here or there uh, pique your interest uh make you want to watch uh, i guess it it probably does add a little bit on balance but yeah um i don't know next year yeah valenciana is going to have a descending gravel time trial <laughs> well that's the thing i don't think this was that dangerous i just think it was a huge lottery and rise were just like this is a bit unnecessary i mean i don't with yeah the brunil quote about circus animals i was like um i i get what you mean in certain aspects of cycling i'm not sure this is the hill to die on and in that respect and i also would say sometimes benji not to be where usually this is a pro rider podcast mm-hmm. generally speaking i would say sometimes the rider's do things which are not always right, even though the majority of them, like, for example, the Giro stage in 2020 where they yep. just didn't want to ride that day, the majority didn't want to. I still feel bad for the organizer on that day. But, yeah, let us know down below. I think we will continue seeing more gravel. We see major bike brands, etc. but gravel, 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 when, you know, it's just it's a cyclocross bike, right, like, isn't it? Um, yeah. I'm probably shooting myself in the foot with sponsorship there. But, yeah, it seems to be a big focus of the bike industry overall and we'll keep seeing it, I would expect. Avon Apollo should probably just keep skipping gravel races. Anyway, Vlasov took it out, best on that day, and he wins GC. Good stuff for Bora Hansgrohe. Now moving on to our Etoile de Bessage Tour de Garde wrap-up. It was the Stage 5 time trial, 11 kilometres long. We had benjamin tomar who'd done well on the previous stage leading the general classification good time trialers but on his new coffer to set up you never know how you go on a new setup etiol was second seven seconds behind johannesson third on eight seconds latour on fourth on 25 seconds i forgot latour is actually quite a good time trialist and so third for johannesson wasn't guaranteed he's a bit of a weaker time trialist this is the tt with an uphill 2k to an half k six percent kick at the end Early good starters, Jay Vine, who I don't think has done much testing or whatever, but incredible TT from him. He finished 22 seconds off Ghana, who, of course, smoked it. It's a 41k an hour average, so not a TT that really suits Ghana that much, but he smoked it, Ghana, of course. Pedersen, really, really good time trial, looking good. He's pro- Pedersen's targeting yellow jersey in the Tour de France, by the way, in Denmark. Second on seven seconds. In terms of GC, Benjamin Thomas kept his jersey. 
the leaders' jersey. Huge win for Cofidis, given that Lotto won as well yes. in a 2-1 race, points-wise. Third on 10 seconds, Mollema fourth on 11. Then Gernalak for Arkea, write that name down, on 18. Betiol sixth, couldn't beat Tomar. He was nine seconds behind him. Then Latour Vine, Ulisi and Tiberi, a nice TT. Johannesson finished on 34 seconds. So no changes to the top three. And yeah, Tomar takes out GC Benji, and he's looking good for Kofidis must be rubbing their hands, getting him off FDJ. Yeah, I think so as well. And they were pretty happy with Kokar as well so far in this race. Yeah. So I think combining those, we saw Rochelle on that on that hill stage as well, Monbuk. Yes. Yeah, so the combination of those riders seemed to work very well here. And yes, I honestly was expecting him to keep the jersey. Betiol did win this time draw like two years ago, if I recall correctly, but in the end, his time draw has been a bit weaker the last years than that year. So, and to be honest, Thomas is in the best shape that I've seen him ever. So that's the reason I thought Thomas was going to keep it, regardless of what Betiol was doing. Now, when it comes to Johannesson, we're saying he's a weak time trialist or a weaker time trialist. I'm kind of surprised that he kept it on 34 seconds on this one. Uh, I was fearing that it would have been worse. So there's still an option there that if he fine-tunes that a bit more, that he gets better at that as well. Uh, throughout the next couple of years because obviously he's a young guy. Antonio Tiberi, also a very strong time trial, but relatively expected from that rider when it comes to his time trial. And when it comes to uh, GC, he's not up there, but I vaguely recall him doing well on the uh, climbing stage as well. So promising in that aspect as well. I think uh, it's just curious. I forgot that Molema was in this race until today. Yeah, I know. I thought he was normally like you. we would have expected him to be. Well, I thought he was... The trek rider yesterday, Benji, on the the mountain stage. So I was like, "What the hell? Uh, who was it? Was Tiberi? Yeah, I thought, oh, Tiberi is Molina. No, it was Tiberi. But I mean, you say you're worried, you feared for Johannes, and no, Benji, he's an enemy of the podcast. Uh, you he's not. Here. I declared he's an enemy of the podcast. I, I, I listened to it. And I disagree <laughs> with it. <laughs> but yeah, Benjamin Thomas looking really good. Oh, sorry, Benjamin Thomas, cousin of Grant Thomas. Um, <laughs> I got a hot take, Benji. Alpers and Phoenix have to take Jay Vaughan to the Tour de France. Have to. They have. He's their best option for winning a stage in mountain stages. He's better than Marissa for that. They're not exactly stacked in that in that regard. Best option there, and he's not afraid to get his hands dirty. I sound like bottles in um in that prison movie. Anyway, he, he can get his hands dirty on flat stages, chasing the break. And he did it in the Vuelta already. So if they're controlling for early years. So I think he should be in their Tour de France team. Maybe even go top 10 GC. I think he can, he can top 10 GC. I would have him go for a stage and let him partially domestique. Yeah, you're right. Don't you think, <laughs> don't you think that makes sense? Like what other climbing options do they have? If, if they don't take him, they're kind of run, riding a line through 35 40% of the stages. Well, perhaps that, that's their goal, just ditching those stages, focusing on the back of the race where they're going to try and get the likes of their green jersey goal person over the climbs. True, but he can help with that as well. Also, he's a big, he's, he's not 60 kilos. Like he can, I don't, I, know, know. I don't know. Obviously, I am incredibly biased, but I, I think it There's makes something a lot there. of sense. Yeah, it's like if this was Ineos, it'd be obviously an outrageous statement, but Alberson are just not that stacked. Uh, Question. In that regard. Does Unix need to get a wild card for the Tour de France because they requested it? Do they? So 
who is it between? So there's I, – I can't keep up. Obviously, the French Pro Conti teams will get it, right? So Arkea have it by right, do they? Yes. Or th- okay, so then there's B&B have to get it. And then how many other spots are left? One or two? Total Honestly, no to- clue. I think there's three spots. Total and B&B have to get it because that's the rules. Well, not the rules, but French Pro Conti teams. Yes, yeah, the law. And then there's one spot. As if you would send anyone else except UNOX. Like, I do expect the most likely outcome is that UNOX will be at the Tour de France this year. I personally hope to see them there. Benji does as well. One of our favorite teams on the podcast and just exciting racing all the time. Charming at Saudi, etc. But we hope you enjoyed this recap. I'm glad Benji's back. Next week, we have Bahrain preview dropping, Sepkus interview. We had to move to Tuesday because there was too many podcasts we were uploading this week. We wanted to give it space to breathe. Do not forget about our first group ride on Swift on Tuesday evening, European time. Uh, and yes, we will be having other times throughout the, the year, but first one, 6 p.m. UK, 7 p.m. Uh, European time this Tuesday, the 8th of February. Thanks to all your support as always we'll see you in the next one ciao